This episode is brought to you in part by the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. The strongest MDiv just got stronger. Southern Seminary's new MDiv is now simplified, personalized, and incentivized. It's simplified by providing students a foundational core of 21 credit hours in each of these three academic disciplines, biblical studies, theological studies, and practical studies. It's personalized through 21 credit hours of electives that students customize around their unique ministry calling to earn graduate certificates. Those certificates indicate specialized training in key areas of ministry. It's incentivized by saving residential MDiv students $1,800 in tuition each semester. The benefits of all MDiv students are greater personalization, increased specialization, and the opportunity to earn more credentials in an efficient amount of time. Discover how you can benefit from an NDiv that is simplified, personalized, and incentivized at sbts.edu forward slash new MDiv. Once again, that's sbts.edu forward slash new MDiv. Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Our goal is to help Christians understand the truth of Romans 15, 14, that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm one of your hosts, Curtis Solomon. And I'm Lakin Liu, your other host. Be sure to check out other resources from the BCC at biblicalcc.org. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 1514. We're super thankful to have you as part of our audience. We are in the middle of our year-end campaign, the One Person a Week campaign. So we want to encourage you to reach out and invite one person a week to support the ministry of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. We've been really encouraged so far already receiving a number of people who've signed up to give monthly donations. So keep up the good work. Uh, This week, I'd encourage you to jump on there check out our blog authors or maybe look at the leadership page of the BCC Council and share with somebody one of your favorite authors or one of your Mm -hmm. favorite biblical counseling leaders who's a part of the BCC and encourage them to support the ministry that brings all those people together. Mm -hmm. So, Lakin and I just wrapped up an interview with uh, Dr. Stuart Scott about his new 31-day devotional on wayward children. Uh, Lakin, what'd you think? Oh, man. It was so good. There were so many truths that we all just want to be need to be refreshed in no matter if you're a parent or if you are a friend of an unbeliever um and so i just thoroughly enjoyed all the truths that were brought but i thought something that i really haven't heard was um he addresses having the godliest parent which he sees as god um he talked about he quoted isaiah 1 1 and i don't want to steal all the thunder um (laughs) from what he was talking about, but how God empathizes and can sympathize with having his own children turn away and rebel. And that was just really hits at the heart of God. And that really helps then all of us see God's heart behind his children and that feeling of rebellion. Yeah. No, I think he did a great, he does a great job of helping you understand that God understands what you're going through, but he, as the author also understands. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Scott, one of the first things we ask him out of the gate is why did he write this? And he talks about sharing from his own uh, personal experience of growing up as a, as a child and coming to faith later, uh, his own experience of having adult children who are not believers, but then also a lot of ministry experience. And all of that comes through, I think, in the interview, but definitely Mm -hmm. in the devotional. Mm -hmm. So thanks for listening. Hope that you are encouraged by today's episode. Well, Stuart Scott, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of 1514. For those of uh, in our audience who don't know you, could you introduce yourself? 
Yeah, thank you, Curtis. Uh, it's a joy and delight to, to be here. As, as far as background, um, and I'll be brief, just I grew up in a home with godly parents, made numerous decisions for Jesus, but wasn't converted hmm. until I was 18. And uh, just wanted to serve God and go however he wanted to use me in ministry. Uh, served in various uh, ministries like church, uh, churches, uh, schools, parachurch ministries. I've uh, been married to my wife, Sandra, for 43 years. Uh, we have two adult children, two grandchildren. Uh, presently, uh, I am serving as a member care director for uh, the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors uh, and um, serving as a professor, director of counseling at Bob Jones uh, University and Seminary, and then adjunct, still serving there at Southern and uh, Masters, uh, Faith Seminary, and uh, Central Seminary. Got a few a few hats going yeah. on there. So. <laughs> well, I thanks. Don't wear them all at one time. I yeah, definitely, definitely not. Well, <laughs> thanks for and and you just got back from Japan, so thanks for for squeezing in some time with us today. And we're excited. Yeah. I'm excited to talk to you. Mm-hmm. I'm always enjoy talking to you, but I'm excited today to talk about your new book, Wayward Children: Finding Peace, Keeping Hope, which is a 31 day devotional, which mm-hmm. is in that the series of 31 day devotionals for life uh, by PNR. What what led you to write this devotional? Well, uh, probably three things. One, my own journey um, as making, growing up in a home with Christian parents, which is often the case. Kids make uh, early professions of faith. I was one of those about every camp experience, every <laughs> summer, every Friday night at camp. And uh, uh, Billy Graham on TV, it just was one decision after another, but no life change mm. until I was 18. So my own my own journey of having, um, I, I call them Christianized uh, pagans. I mean, you're, you're lost, but you're Christianized. And very common in uh, homes with uh, godly parents. So my, journey, my own personal journey, our parenting journey, Uh, having children Mm -hmm. who made early professions of faith and walked the same thing, uh, a few different professions, and then um, having them say, I'm I'm not saved, you know, whether in their um, teens, middle to late teens, I'm not a believer, I'm not a follower of Christ, which wasn't a surprise, but just still loving them, caring for them. And then then ministry, ministry Mm -hmm. to other parents, both uh, in the public sector of ministry, you know, pastors, elders, and missionaries who are distraught, really just full of sorrow Mm -hmm. uh, over one or more Mm -hmm. of their children who say they don't uh, want Jesus or to follow, embrace the gospel or follow Christ's way. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing those, and definitely comes out in your book, too. I think you open sharing some of your background and talking about how you and Zondra both, uh, with with having children who don't who are adults who aren't walking with the Lord, for her it was a loss in the sense that she she came from 
a difficult family background, but wanted a family of, mm-hmm. you know, that followed Christ. You came from a Christian home and wanted to continue that on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And there's, there's just some lost dreams, lost expectations, lost mm-hmm. hopes with that. So uh, thank you for being so open and vulnerable and, mm-hmm. and sharing from all of those different experiences. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. As you were writing um, this devotional and you're starting to put all of this content together, how was it actually mapping it out in a 31 day devotional and how did that also impact you and influence your time and encourage you while you were working through it? And still working through it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's encouraging. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is a journey and um, I don't think it ends until Christ returns Mm. or calls you home. Mm. But um, probably I was just putting down, uh, different lessons that the Lord either has taught us or still teaching us. And they seem to kind of go into a vertical and horizontal, hmm. sort of like the first commandment, second commandment um, is first trusting God, loving God with your whole heart and mind. And then how do we love our children and, and love others? So you'll see the first section is more trusting God and Mm. really getting your heart recalibrated Mm. uh, to trust and glorifying him. And then what's our responsibility to love, uh, obviously all of our neighbors, but the closest would be family and lessons to learn in trusting God in that direction. Mm. No, that's great. I like that you're able to see the vertical and how that influences the horizontal. And so with that being the vertical, um, we see often a frustration towards God with their children's lack of faith. So how is helping them get the vertical right then influence the horizontal? Yeah. It, and um, this has been a journey. Uh, I see, mm. you know, over, well, uh, our oldest is 38. So it's been, uh, you know, a few decades of continuing mm. to learn uh and several laps around Mount Sinai, as they say, mm-hmm. <laughs> keep, keep kind of learning. Uh, but one notable uh, time that a uh, brother in Christ helped me on, on really dealing with frustration with God. I, I hate to contend with God. It doesn't usually end well. <laughs> <laughs> um, in other words, I want to be lamenting, but mm-hmm. I don't want to be contending, hmm. you know, with God. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to be able to express, but not uh, think that I want to put him on the witness stand and he needs to answer me. Mm-hmm. That That's just not, you don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a brother shared a, a book from a Puritan called um, The Crook in the Lot by Thomas Boston. And his focus was on Ezekiel 7, I mean, Ezekiel, uh, Ecclesiastes 7. Mm-hmm. And it says, consider the work of God who can make straight what he has made crooked. You know, you just kind of think about that for a little bit. And it's, uh, this is God's doing. Mm. And how, you know, we're the the clay pot telling the potter what Mm. to do. And it's like, no, this is, and I can't make straight if he's made something crooked. Uh, That's a waste of time. And it's just to Mm. trust him. And uh, the next verse says, you know, God has made the one day as well as the other. Uh, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider he's made one as well as the other. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess it kind of gets into hope and focus is that can't be in your child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one they of the things up that are up and down. Yeah. Well, that was one of the things that I, I thought was so important for this topic. And it's something that a lot of times in, in a lot of different counseling situations, people put their hope in a change in circumstance. And I've in with this particular issue of having children who are not walking with the Lord, who don't love the Lord, it, it seems more reasonable in a sense that our hope is that they would come to save, you know, come to saving sure. faith, right? Mm-hmm. Cause it's such a God honoring thing and mm-hmm. it's good for them. Uh, how do you help parents not set their hope on that, but to set their mm-hmm. hope in, in God as the sovereign creator or, or whatever else um, helps them shift their focus on from being all of my hope rests on my child becoming a Christian. Yeah, and hope and goal. I, I've heard parents say, "My goal is to see my child get saved," and I'm going, mm-hmm. uh, "You can't. Goals aren't have to be achievable." Uh, one lady said, "I had my goal is to get my children in Harvard," and now <laughs> she says, "She said now as a believer, she her goal is to get them saved." And I went, "It's easier to get into Harvard, believe me. No. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's a miracle of God <laughs> mm. to save uh, a, a child mm. and, or a heart of stone and change it to a heart mm. of flesh. So I, I try to help parents uh, back up and with right perspective, keep their desires for their children. And that will always be a desire as long as they're alive and their children are alive. Mm. That their children are important spokes in the wheel, but they can't be the hub. And if if they if that switches and their children become the hub, and then almost like for mm. me to live is the salvation mm. of my child, yeah. mm. it, it'll come out in their speech because whatever fills the heart comes out the mouth. And they're always talking about their children and always, you know, that's the first prayer request every time it's mm. in it, it's ex- their their speech really exposes what mm. their heart's set on and thinking about all the time. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it, it needs to be that out of the abundance is Christ in other ministries and rejoicing with others when their children are doing well and then weeping with those mm. parents whose children aren't. But I, I think just uh, keeping goal to glorify God, mm. desire, that'll be in its right place if Mm -hmm. I can keep the Lord in his right place. Mm -hmm. I think that's that key phrase at the end of the last sentence is for God to be glorified because I'm not, I am married, but I do not have children yet. (laughs) It would not be possible. (laughs) Um, But also I am an older sister and I have a younger sibling. And so for me about a year ago, I just remember wrestling with, so badly I wanted my younger brother to be saved, which is a great desire, Mm -hmm. but it was overriding my my desire for the Lord to be glorified. And why did, did I want my little brother to be saved so that God would get the glory or that he, I would just have relief, you know? And so I, I just realized that I wanted him to be saved so that I could be yes, thankful and want the Lord to be glorified, but even more just so that I could have a relief. And so at the expense of relief for the Lord's glory rather than. Yeah. No, and that is so important. And my prayers are that God would get glorified 
and it'll be the eternal good of our children, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's yeah. for their eternal good mm-hmm. that they get yeah. saved and for God's glory. And you know what? I'm just a side byproduct over here. I, I mean, it would be wonderful, uh, be glorious, but it can't be. It's all about me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I can have Facebook pictures of look at our wonderful family, you know, and nothing wrong with that. It just, um, you know, it's just what is our what are our motives? Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's a good <clears throat> that's a really good point. You actually address the comparison game later in the in the book. <laughs> I didn't bring that up in the questions that I sent <laughs> you, but you you mentioned it there. That is a that is a challenge. How do mm-hmm. how do you help people have joy um, for others when they are grieving the the lack of that in their own lives? Yeah, and that's. Really, it is God's grace. You you really have to get yourself out of your own situation and put yourself in their situation. It's rejoice with those who rejoice, and you weep with those who weep. And it's just like uh, someone who's single wants to be married just ends up being invited to be on the a bridesmaid or a, you know a groomsman all the time. And just I wish I could be in the well. You have to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, and and then you weep with those who weep. And I, uh, for me, I, I really do pray, Lord, help me to, if I were in their place, that is really wonderful. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Their children are, um, I mean, I just met with a, a pastor and his son who's in ministry. And what a joy, mm-hmm. you know, that's yep. wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it, you really have to ask God for his grace because without him, we can't do anything. So Lord, help me to get out of my situation and really focus on their situation. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's no perfect family. There's no model family in the Bible. It's just, Lord, help us to just to be faithful mm-hmm. in whatever role we have. And those who do have children who God has graciously saved, if the parents are uh, biblically informed enough, they realize that was God doing that. It wasn't mm-hmm. them, and they shouldn't mm-hmm. be taking the glory. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. Like everyone realizes this is a, a God thing mm-hmm. uh, to change the heart of anyone mm-hmm. and save them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with that of kind of helping it, helping parents see it's a God thing, how do you help them also see a God thing when their efforts, and I know your efforts of just, wanting to faithfully share the gospel, how do you help with them not feel the blame of their kid not coming to saving faith? And how do you help them deal with just their faithful efforts, even though it did not grow, the seed did not grow? Yeah. And that, you know, coming back to what does the Lord ask of us as parents? And he doesn't ask us uh, or command us to save our kids. Mm-hmm. He, he asks us to be faithful in instructing them with, and mm-hmm. address their hearts with the Word of God and discipline training in, in the external, the behavior end, and then address their hearts. And that's all he asks us to do. And the same in ministry, right? Same with a, a preacher. Uh, he, mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't do what only God can do. So, how do I help parents? We have to go keep going back to Scripture, God's Word. What does God say for you to do? 
And what's your responsibility? Sort of that chart in uh, Paul Tripp's book, you know, Instruments in Redeemer's Hands. What What is your responsibility and what is God's? And what's the other people's responsibility? I mean, our children are going to be held responsible themselves for what they've done with uh, the seed that's planted and mm. has been watered. And until you can back up and say, this is what God holds me responsible for. I just need to be faithful in doing that. And when I fail, I ask for forgiveness. Mm. I mean, we that's what we do with our children. We, we model um, the grace of God and the gospel with, um, please forgive me. I, I, mm-hmm. I sinned, I failed, and I have a plan of changing. And I'm going to work at that with God's mm-hmm. help. You been, you highlight for the fact that the the most godly parent, aka God Himself, uh, has children who rejected Him, who rebelled, who went wayward. Mm-hmm. How how is that a source of comfort for parents who have children who have walked away from the Lord? I you know I quoted there Isaiah one. Uh, many children have I reared and they've rebelled. And I go, you know, he, he gets it. (laughs) He understands. He, he understands. I think that uh, he has the knowledge, the experience, Mm. uh, even Christ, when he came, he came unto Mm -hmm. his own, his own received him not. Mm. Uh, You find the Lord weeping over Jerusalem, Mm. you know, weeping over a city. Uh, So, the heart of God, I, I, he gets it. He understands. Uh, we have this sympathetic high priest that we can go mm-hmm. to. Uh, that's really important, uh, you know, when there's sorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where I, I kind of go to is it's not a God who is unacquainted mm-hmm. with uh, tr- rearing um I mean, Israel, I mean, the whole, whether it's a, a family or a nation, mm-hmm. he, he he understands and he, he brings grace and mercy and comfort in time of need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great picture because we also then get to see as a parent how we get to feel what the Lord feels when even us who have... Um, our hearts who have been transformed, we get to see how he feels when we are even his own and rebel against him. And so we just get to kind of grieve and feel that. And it just puts a new perspective. Um, But in page 18, you highlight the importance of helping parents understand that they can have sorrow and joy at the same time. Can you kind of expound on that for our audience? Yeah, I, um, for a long time, it was like one or the other. You know, like if your kids are doing well, man, it's great. It's a joy, a time of joy. And then if they're not doing too well, then it's a time of sorrow. And, and you're, you know, when you're sorrowful, you go, okay, can I even be joyful? And I don't want to equate that with happiness and mm-hmm. you have to be bubbly, but you can have real joy. So I come across commands to rejoice always, you know, in Philippians 4. And then you find in um, Romans 9 is probably the one of the passages I refer to. And I come across Paul saying uh, that he wished that if it were possible, he would even be accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, he says, my kinsmen, mm-hmm. according to the flesh. And he just says that I have great sorrow in verse 2 and unceasing anguish in my heart. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm going, well, what is that? Paul's the same one who wrote Philippians 4. <laughs> so, you know, is he rejoicing mm-hmm. or is he have unceasing anguish over mm-hmm. unsaved mm-hmm. loved ones, uh, kinsmen, family? And then I came across 2 Corinthians 6, 10, where he says, I'm I'm sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And I go, oh, there it is. (laughs) (laughs) It's not one or the other, it's both. And I think every Christian who lives on this fallen world, I mean, fallen planet and with brokenness everywhere, every believer is going to have sorrow of some sort. Mm -hmm. But you can always rejoice in Christ, uh, in him, what he's doing. So it's not get rid of one and, you know, seek the other out. It's just how to live with both and not let sorrow overwhelm your heart. Mm -hmm. And that's what Jesus with the disciples, you know, why is sorrow filled? You know, that word that means to like intoxicate, dominate. Uh, a mm-hmm. person's heart. No, don't don't let it dominate. But um, keep keep the focus and joy on Christ. But yeah, there's sorrow, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. unceasing. Well, and he's a he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with much grief. Yeah. And we see in Hebrews five, like right after that, a beautifully comforting passage of he understands our weakness. We also see him crying out with loud crying and tears. But we also yeah. know he had joy in his heart at the same time. Right. So it's, yeah, no, it's, it, we have an incredible savior. Um, you mentioned the, f- the fact that some people make their children's salvation an idol. Can you talk about that a little bit? Cause I mean, we think about salvation obviously as, as a mm-hmm. good thing and we know that we can make good things an idol, but how is that? How can you see that happening in a, in a parent's heart? And then how do we help them put their worship back on Christ? Yeah, I mean, any any good desire can become idolatrous. And I think that's a, a point that all of us need to be reminded of. Anything good can become bad mm-hmm. and, and when we want it too much, mm-hmm. right? When we're ready to sin to get it, and, and especially sinning if we don't get it, mm-hmm. which often is the case if, you know, man is not a believer yet, they're not really following Christ yet, and and so we we parent from um, an an angry, disappointed, uh, frustrated position. Uh, like we've got to make this happen, or we're not going to be a faithful parent. And that is a tip off, I think, when anytime a desire turns idolatrous, lustful, that we're sinning and we're sinning in our responses or we're sinning by manipulating to get it to happen. Mm-hmm. So we're, mm-hmm. we're working every person. Hey, you know, uh, to the youth worker, you know, Hey, can you uh, special attention here on my son or my daughter, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. um, really focus in, you know, and your group time on, on And you're going, what I'm trying to manipulate, uh, people. I'm trying to, I'm just sinning uh, in, in um, trying to be sovereign, trying to make something happen. And it usually goes back to what's my motive? And is mm-hmm. it God's glory and their eternal good or 
my happiness and it'll be a whole lot better around the house, you know, that kind of thing. And mm. um, so just keeping a person's desire every day can pray for the salvation of their children and cast that care and petition on the Lord and now move on with the rest of your day. Mm. It just can't be the constant thinking mm. and uh, examining of your child. Uh, it, your your joy will be uh, won't be there. Uh, mm. At least the joy in Christ won't be there. Mm. I don't know if that answered the question. Yeah, you may no, that was, that was great. <laughs> it's it's. I think it's just. Uh, the salvation piece is such a hard thing for people to see. How can that be a wrong desire? And it's not Mm. a wrong desire, but it comes to the level until it gets to the level, uh, like you were saying of being willing to sin to get it or sin. If you don't get it, it, Mm -hmm. it's become something that is, uh, outsized, even, even the salvation of another human being. Mm -hmm. We can, we can have that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, It's funny because, we're wanting the Lord to save them, but it's also, we have to always come back to the right view of salvation. So we have to like prize the right view of salvation rather than it being um, something that we just so tightly grasp onto. So it's the thing that we're wanting, we also have to come back to just kind of plain and simple rather than us trying to put it into our own. So the the solution is coming back to the gospel, <laughs> but we're wanting the gospel to be something that is clearly in this person's life. Yeah. And we can see that it is in their life, just not in the way that we want it to be. Hmm. Yeah. And as a parent, you know, I, I tell young parents, I mean, this may be the only time you hear this, but you're going to be an evangelist for sure. Hmm. Uh, because they, they don't come out believing, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, not in our Bibles. Uh, they come out <laughs> needing to hear the gospel. So you're going to be an evangelist for sure. Mm. Uh, a discipler, if you, if you, if you're, depending on how you define discipleship, mm-hmm. uh, you're an instructor for sure. You're a discipline trainer for sure. But a discipler of a believer, helping them in their sanctification, maybe. Mm. And yeah. you can still be a faithful parent, mm. and not have any saved children and you still can be a faithful parent. And uh, that's really important for, I think, parents to hear rather than I have to get them all saved, you know, and you're just like, I, or I have to disciple them all. And you're going, only if they're a believer, they don't have the power of God, the spirit of God to even understand or to make changes from the heart out without Christ. Yeah. We've got a lot of questions and little time left. I think, I think, I think we have time for one more question before our two minute favorite segment, uh, unless you answer it very quickly, but we were talking a little bit ahead of time and just thinking through, um, the focus of the, of the devotional is not on this group of people, but I I feel like there's a particular, there's some unique factors facing those who are in ministry, uh, whose children are not walking with the Lord. And I know you've thought a lot about this, and have a, we we have a lot of mutual friends and and people in this boat. What are some of those factors, and um, how does that impact the life of somebody who's in ministry? Yeah, well, I think anyone in ministry that desire for their children to come to faith in Christ is going to be a supreme desire, maybe mm-hmm. more so than other believers in the congregation. I mean, for those in 
that are called to ministry involved full time. And that, that's what we want most for mm-hmm. them to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's the greatest gift that you can present to your kids. So that is just like on steroids, the desire for them, probably more than uh, in many other Christian homes even. So that's way up top as a desire. Uh, The other thing that comes out, depending on uh, how people look at 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 are the qualifications of someone in ministry, of an elder, pastor. And one passage talks about just make sure your children are well-managed, you know, in your home uh, with all dignity. Um, And then another passage can, depending on how you read or what translation you read, it like your children have to be believing. Mm. And um, you're going, whoa, um, I can't make that happen. And that puts an extra burden on those in ministry, and even for the wives, mm. who spend a, probably the majority of the time with the children. You know, how they handle this is like we couldn't make it happen or uh, so that passage in titus i've spent a lot of time reading and studying that passage and uh, looking at it not only just uh, in a, like a biblical theology of that of children and salvation but even grammatically in titus one the majority view is that it's a parallel passage, uh, just that they remain faithful, well-managed, yeah. uh, the way the construction is. But some people take it, and some well-known people that, that Curtis, you know very well, and um, it, take it as, no, they have to be believing. Yeah. And if your children don't all believe, or one said he believed, and now as said, no, I'm not a Christian, then you really need to step out of ministry, step off elder boards and et cetera. That is an added pressure on those in ministry who read that translation or take that particular, uh, it's a minority view, but it's still a pretty powerful yeah, because it puts your it puts your livelihood and your calling to ministry on the the election of your children, um, yeah. and that's yeah, mm-hmm. that's just a lot of pressure there. But yeah. I also think too, like uh, a lot of our audience are counselor or biblical counselors and ministry mm-hmm. leaders. There's a there's a level of like when we need counsel ourselves, or when somebody in our family needs counsel. There's a kind of this, I th- it's inappropriate, but I think a level of shame we feel like, well, mm-hmm. how come I need counseling? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think with yeah. I know yeah. pastors and others who are like, I've been teaching this to everybody for so long or whatever. Why? But my own yeah. kids didn't right. get it. And maybe people are looking at me like, were you really a good parent? You know, there's mm-hmm. a shame I think yeah. that can come on and that's mm-hmm. such a hard. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or you, you're the ones who uh, failed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. your child doesn't. And like if you were, if you were faithful and consistent, all your children would love Jesus. Yeah. And uh, you're going, I don't know where we get that, but mm. uh, I have it as a young parent. I, I, mean, I looked at all these older parents and I went, man, what, what, what wrong there? And what went wrong there yeah. with the parents? And, you know, Lord takes 
you through it yourself and you're going, oh, it's not, I mean, we all fail, but it's, mm-hmm. it's not. And then you see like my, my wife from a totally pagan home yep. and God saves her. Yeah. 11 years old in a vacation Bible school and God yep. saves her and you're going, just a wretched home yeah. wife kind mm-hmm. of thing. And you're going, okay, it's, it is a God thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, and you, we have those personal testimonies, but you highlight this in the devotional and I know in, in your other teaching and in caring for people, like if you read one, just God's story of his people, but all the, like the Kings, the prophets, oh, yeah. all that stuff, the you kings. have these amazing, <laughs> wonderful godly yeah. people whose kids end up being murdering crazy people and yeah. evil, wretched, horrible people yeah. whose children end up, reforming the the nation mm-hmm. you know it's That's right it's it's yeah. in god's hands yeah so. okay i did this last episode but if i may ask one question so this may get cut or not <laughs> that's the nice thing about a podcast is we aren't actually limited to any amount <laughs> that's of time. Right. That's, that's right that's right <laughs> um i just was wanting to hear from you with your kids being older what does that evangelism look like or pleading with them and faithfully sharing the gospel with them yeah it's uh, I mean, that's a great question. When they're older, um, our kids know what the gospel is. They've mm-hmm. heard it all their life, mm-hmm. uh, not only in our home, but in, in just really good churches, mm-hmm. good schools. So, I mean, they are Christianized, you know, mm-hmm. but um, so we pray that if God saves them, then a lot of this will come back. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of the, the teachings will all start to fit in and bring brought, uh, brought back. But we uh, we want to emphasize a relationship with them, a loving relationship with them, so that um, they're around us, they want to be around us, and we pray for open doors of opportunity, mm-hmm. but we do not push um, the gospel or truths or their condition, their lost condition mm. in front of them all the time. Mm-hmm. We'll chase them away. And um, I just would be really cautious of anyone doing that. Mm-hmm. If they choose to, they don't want to be around us, that's their choice. But um, if God does a work in their heart or they have any questions or struggles, that the, they call us, you know, mm-hmm. uh, continually, and we we can talk with them. It's like the prodigal son knew he could come home. Mm-hmm. It, it's just uh, trying to have a loving relationship with them. They know what we approve of and what we don't. They know where we stand. Mm-hmm. But we just pray for little open opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, like our daughter so say, "Will you pray for this?" Well. That's amazing in and of mm-hmm. itself. I mean, she, she obviously understands what we do, what we believe, and how God works. And, and so, you know, you come, you know, that's what we want. We, mm-hmm. we want to keep those, um, the relationships open. That's how I would counsel mm-hmm. a parents with an unsaved child is to try to keep a loving relationship going and um, a book by, um, Jack Miller on Comeback Barbara yeah. is a real helpful read on the parents they're trying to reach out and love and what uh, Barbara, how Barbara responded um, to different episodes, events in her own life. And now look what the Lord has done in her life and uh, saving her. 
But that's a really helpful mm. read. Come back, Barbara. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you for all of that. We have a, a segment that we do at the end called Two Minute Favorites, which is just a fun way for our audience to get to know you a little bit as a human being. Uh, you ready for this? Uh, I hope so. My, my, <laughs> I, I'm a slow processor. They're all your face. So you want to take turns going back <laughs> yeah, and forth? All right. Here we go. Uh, I'm going to start with what is your favorite food? Uh, I like Chinese and Japanese food a lot. Mm. Anything that has uh, meat in it, but ja- uh, Chinese, Japanese food. What is your favorite color? Probably blue. What is your favorite sport? Uh, soccer. Your favorite quote? Uh, probably a Spurgeon quote on uh, his quote on discernment. That it's not the difference between right and wrong, but what's right and almost right. Hmm. What's a favorite gift you've ever received? Uh, it's monetarily, I mean, if we're talking about a physical gift, obviously salvation, but (laughs) physical gift, probably a large sum of money towards a ministry. And it was, uh, it blew me away, the um, amount of money towards a particular ministry. Hmm. Favorite word? Uh, Other than Jesus, um, I'm going to say grace and mercy, and that's one Hmm. word. (laughs) Favorite? (laughs) Just like grace grace and mercy. (laughs) Just one word. (laughs) Favorite? What's your favorite gift you've ever given? Uh, Favorite gift given? I'd have to say it's similar, not a a super large sum of money, but um, a monetary gift that my wife and I gave to uh, a ministry project. It was a person in need, and we were able to help. uh, And that was uh, such a blessing to give. Hmm. Favorite animal? Uh, I'm partial towards uh, dogs. (laughs) Favorite book of the Bible? Uh, I spend probably the most time book of Ephesians. Mm. All right. Well, that's two minutes and that's the end of our show as well. So Dr. Stuart Scott, thanks so much for being with us on 1514. Well, thank you for having me, Curtis. Thank you. And Lincoln, thank you. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And special thanks to our team who helped make this podcast possible. My assistant, Rebecca Mullins, helps coordinate these interviews. And our podcast engineer, Caleb Lau, does a great job editing and putting everything together. We look forward to you joining us next time.